Good afternoon and welcome to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're broadcasting today from the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo that's taking place in North Platte. Great crowds, great folks walking in, and of course, many folks looking at that corn market and wondering why I hadn't flipped the switch to make it higher. We'll talk about what happened within this grain complex. Some interesting factors that are being weighed in as Arlen Suderman is going to join us. Arlen, of course, is with Stonex. And let's start out because I've not been closely looking at my email today, and I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, there seems to be a U.S. District Court in Arizona and a ruling with a dicamba, and I'm sure the market's kind of paying a little bit of attention to that. Yeah, it's uh, caught everyone by surprise, I think, and that was that a U.S. Uh, judge, in, U.S. District Court judge in Arizona, which of course is a major soybean planting state, not um, vacated an EPA registration of dicamba-based weed killers from 2020, um, saying that the agency violated procedures mandating public input. So that essentially means that, uh, as I read the story from Reuters, um, means that those products built for um, dicamba, uh, what would we say, tolerance, um, that are used on soybeans. In fact, uh, Bayer soybeans that resist dicamba-based herbicide are number two most planted soybeans in the United States. And now the product can't be sold based on this judge's current ruling unless there is something appealed in, in a case one before then. We're getting awfully close to the start of the planting season in the southern soybean belt. And so this is kind of a shock to the industry right now. And um, not only affecting soybeans, but also cotton as well. We'll have to see how this plays out, how it impacts planting decisions, seed availability, etc. going forward. And that's a, a little cog in the wheel we don't need at this point is spring planting just around the corner for us. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously there's a lot of interest and concerns here on both sides of this issue. The problem is last minute decisions that so impact uh, what happens on the farm when there's not much time to make adjustments. Well, we know that the other thing that's been kind of looming, and, and folks here were talking about it, is, is the WASDE report that comes out tomorrow. And normally this isn't a, a blip on the radar more than anything, but we've got a lot of uh, talk about changing what we've got in those numbers coming out of South America. Yeah, the one we're watching most uh, significantly is going to be the soybean production estimate out of uh, Brazil. Uh, right now, the average trade gas going in, what the market has priced in, is uh, that soybean crop will drop to 153 million metric tons, down about 4 million metric tons from the previous month. Uh, originally, USDA was up there over 160 million metric tons, where last year's record crop was. I think they were actually 162. We started out at 165. Our latest customer survey last week came down to 150.4 million metric tons. So we came down a little bit further. Now, that's still not enough to justify rationing. Uh, U.S. demand with higher prices, even though I know our producers would like to see higher prices. We have a demand problem right now for soybeans. And so if we took prices higher, we would simply hurt that demand even further right now, unfortunately. Um, but we're watching to see how much USDA comes down. I think the lowest of the 
um, recognizable names as far as production estimates have been down to 145 million metric tons. Uh, I anticipate that we'll eventually end up somewhere around 148 plus or minus one uh, million metric tons for Brazil. That's, so that's not much lower than where our current customer survey number is now. We may dip below that and then bounce back up to that level is my current thinking. The question is at what point does it start to positively impact our exports? And uh, right now that looks like based on assumptions that Argentina's crop is going to be okay, um, that uh, would be somewhere south of 145 million metric tons. So we're not anywhere close to that yet at this point. And I talked earlier this morning, Arlen, um, during one of the early morning reports about uh, the Stonex survey uh, that you guys do of customers and, and what those numbers may say leading into the report. If you want to kind of share or talk a little bit about what those folks are saying down in South America. Yeah, like I said, we started out at 165 million metric tons. It's just been ratcheting down since then, down to 150.35 million metric tons at this point. Um, so our producers are showing that. Um, about 15% of the crop was harvested as of this last Friday from our latest customer survey there. Uh, and so that's right in the middle of the 15-year, you know, the range of progress over the last 15 years ahead of where we were last year. Um, so we're doing well. If you look at uh, the winter corn crop planting, uh, that's uh, ahead of last year as well and kind of right in the middle of where we've been over the last five years at about 16%. We really want to get the, the crop in center west Brazil particularly harvested, the soybean crop harvested and the co winter corn crop planted by that last week of February, by March 1st, if at all possible. Um, so that the, it, that corn can then reach the grain fill stage, go through pollination, reach a grain fill stage before the monsoon rains end. We never really did get the monsoon rains going this year, but we have had some pretty good rains there of late. I was looking at the latest data over the last 30 days, center west Brazil has had roughly about eight inches of rain. That's a little bit below normal. And uh, the average high temperature has been right around 88 degrees for that region. So not bad overall. Unfortunately, rains haven't been even everywhere. Some areas still have missed out, but overall pretty good. All right, we'll stick around, folks. More is coming up as we get ready here for the second half of the channel, Final Bell. When we come back, we'll continue to take a look at some of those factors that are weighing in on what we see in not only the grain market, but also what's been happening in the livestock side as we saw a dip happen in cattle today. It's the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Let's have another channel chat with Grant Bailey. Grant and his wife Mackenzie own Bailey Ag Solutions near Norton, Kansas. Well, Grant with the channel and regional brands coming together, what do you see as the advantages? Well, what I see is we're, we're merging multiple strong portfolios um, to bring our customers more options to use on their farms to make them more profitable. What are you most looking forward to with the new channel brand? Probably the momentum. Channel has some good, strong momentum right now, um, but it, it's a great brand with strong products. Uh, this is only going to make us stronger and have a better market presence uh, nationwide. Well, Channel is here to help farmers rise to the challenge. For more on the new Channel brand, you can contact Bailey Ag Solutions at Norton, your local Channel seed professional, or go to channel.com slash rise. Always read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices.
back to the Channel Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, as our conversation does continue now with Arlen Suderman with StoneX. And Arlen, there's been, you know, you and I were talking during this commercial break about uh, rumors that we hear a lot about or different reports that show up. And I know that you had talked a little bit about a report that you saw on Twitter um, when it came to Argentina. Do you want to expound a little bit more on that? Yeah, there's two major grain exchanges in Argentina, the Rosario Grain Exchange and the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange. Both put out production estimates and crop ratings, and we pretty much more rely on the Buenos Aires Grain Exchange. Uh, we think they're a little bit more dependable, a little bit more stable numbers. Uh, but uh, there was an unconfirmed report on uh, X, which is formerly Twitter, this morning that uh, Rosario Grain Exchange was slashing their production estimate for Argentina by 20% because of the hot, dry weather um, that they've had recently. The market did kind of work its way off of its lows. The soybean market did for a while, um, but it did trade it right back down once again. So it did have a big impact on the market. And I think primarily it's because it's still very early in the growing season in Argentina. Think of it as early July in the Midwest. And when's the most critical time weather-wise for soybeans in the Midwest? It's August. And so we're not to that period yet in Argentina. And what's in the forecast? Rain. Lots of it here over the coming days. Probably starting tomorrow or so, those rains will really start increasing. And much of their growing belt should see some rains going forward. I looked at the last 30 days uh, history for Argentina and, and crops, and most of the heat has been to the north and to the west of their primary production areas. I mean, I'm talking the intense heat, the triple-digit heat. They have been dry, but they had some really good soaking rain ahead of this dry period. Speaking of weather and dryness out there, I understand that we're going to be doing that strong transition maybe from El Nino to La Nina in the later half of the year. But it's to get through what many are starting to call the possibility of very wet spring added to that. Yeah, that's something we're going to be watching carefully. I was just doing some work on that. And the, the models are all over the place. What's going to happen with this El Nino as far as how quickly will its demise come? It is weakening now. We did peak around the turn of the calendar. That's normal for El Ninos. The question is, how quickly does it demise? And some of the models are expecting us to be in a pretty good La Nina by this summer. And as we know, La Ninas tend to create drought in, in the Midwest. Uh, most of the respected climatologists I talk to say that the conditions just don't seem right to them for that rapid of a demise of El Nino. Um, but if we were to get that, we could expect um, drought to build up in the southern plains, which would be a problem for the wheat crop, uh, but generally wet in the southeast this spring uh, with some wetness over the Midwest as well. But if we have a more slowly fading El Nino, which is what I think is going to happen based on the climatologists I talked to, that really takes away a lot of the dryness concerns for the southern plains this spring, but it really makes the Midwest much wetter as we go through the spring. So the planting windows would be much tighter. None of them are really saying a repeat of 2019 at this point, but it's something we're going to have to watch. As you know, we can plant our corn crop in very narrow windows now, and I think we have to assume that we'd get the crop planted, and if so, we would have the moisture there then to grow a good crop with good full soil profiles through the summer. Uh, on the other hand, if you do have a, a more rapid uh, collapse of the El Nino. If you go into the summer and go into La Nina, it actually favors high pressure setting up over the Midwest. 
with the eastern Midwest seeing the drought this time around with better rains here in the western Midwest. So we'll see how it all plays out, and we'll be updating you as, as we get a better handle of how it's going to evolve. All right, let's jump over to the livestock side. And as, as somebody said to me here today at the farm show, what the heck happened in the cattle market today? Yeah, the cattle market had that impressive day yesterday, mostly about money flow, I think. Popped the February kind contract up above uh, up above the 200-day uh, moving average, and we got some more buying there for as a result. Uh, and we're basically the anticipation that we're going to see slower chain speeds because the mar packer margins have been really tightening up. But we've really been seeing a lot of strength in the product market. Um, and if we slow those chain speeds down, we're just going to continue to tighten that supply up even more. Still waiting for this week's cash trade to unfold. Um, generally expectations of two to three dollars is what we'd priced into the market. But I think today was more about consolidation since yesterday we probably overdid it to the upside. I think tomorrow is probably going to be a better indicator. Do we bounce off of that 200 day moving average now as an area of support or do we drop back below? I think that'll tell us a lot about where we're going. All right, Arlen, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Uh, StoneX.com or VronX, formerly Twitter, ArlenFF101 is my handle. All right, that has been today's channel, channel final bell as we broadcast from the Buffalo Bill Farm and Ranch Expo. It is being brought to you by your channel seed professionals. And as always, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. That's the channel final bell on the Rural Radio Network. <laughs>